Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 260 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we, we, wow, uh, we're going to talk about Tone Arts and his doping positive. We're going to talk about the UCI Take It With a Grain of Salt calendar that was released. We're going to talk about U.S. Nationals locations, and then also we'll talk a little bit about racing. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Endura. You can go visit them at endurasport.com. Today, I, I want to highlight a piece of kit that I love. I think you will love as well, as, as I've done before here. They, they have amazing riding gear, great bibs great jerseys but it's kind of those other sneaky items that i like for instance the pro sl primal loft gilet i think it's number two the gilet two uh this is the type of item that you can wear casually what i like to do with this is you put it on and then you put your hoodie on over it so you don't have the vest on the outside you got the vest on the inside and then that's keeping your core warm and then you still got that cash look you know, you're just going out with a hoodie. It's 30 degrees out. You're fine. You stay warm. Endurosport.com. Use the code WIDEANGLE20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off of your order. Also, check them out on social media at Endurosport. Uh, let them, let them, here's some homework for you. Go on Twitter and let, let, let them know that you heard about Endura through CX Harris. So tag me in a tweet and them. And while you're doing some homework, uh, you could leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, only if it's good, though. I, if you if you got a bad review, just just send it to me personally. Feedback at cxeras.com. We can chat, can figure out what we can do to be better. All right, well, let's get into it. Lots to talk about. We got Michael and Zach. It's episode 260 of Cyclocross Radio. And we're doing it right now. We are back in the media pit. Last minute adjustments to the to the agenda. So we, we're we're gonna talk about the racing that happened this past weekend. We're also gonna talk about the the as I like to call it, take it with a grain of salt, uh, UCI World Cup and UCI calendar that came out. And then also we're going to talk about the U.S. Nationals venue announcement. And finally, we're going to talk about Tone Arts. But we're not going to do any of that until we talk to Michael. Michael! How's it going? Hey, Bill. Um, uh, yeah, well, I, I have, uh, some, some bad news. I'm, I'm really sorry for the, the somber tone here. Um, but my camera broke. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Zach, what do you got? (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that I was being called on to. You are you are under no no obligation to come up with your own. Po- that you know that does not have to be canon, Michael. 
uh, that somebody has to say something every week. But how you doing? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, you know, you, you mentioned nationals. Do you have a camera pun? Can you do have a camera pun? Well, you already did a cannon. <laughs> That's good. I missed that. Yeah. Um, Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're over here playing 5d chess bill <laughs> hey zach yeah i mean I, I i guess it's not it's not like it's a little bit different when last time we convened uh for this because we had to uh talk about bad or not bad news but you know news of a positive doping test for one of the nikons of the sport uh, but this is still <laughs> you know one of the less generic less generic belgians uh getting popped here so uh, yeah, I, maybe not as somber. I didn't know where you were going with that, Michael. I just I remember when we did the Compton episode, it was really weird because that was like our first media pit, I think, of the season. And I was so excited <laughs> at the beginning. And then we were like, oh, oh, shit. This one's kind of like not the most exciting uh, episode uh, to get to. But uh, I, I guess a little bit tone. Should we just a little bit? Of, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do. I didn't actually didn't mean to do that to set the tone bit different tone but should we uh that was a totally unintended pun um should we just jump right into the the news uh uh, the the news of the day i guess yeah let's talk about the news of the day let's 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 talk about the somber tone um tone arts pop for doping looks like he uh was found with a drug that treats breast cancer um letrozole i had to look it up and apparently it is something that can hide um your testosterone it's a masking agent yeah right so it, this is one of those things where it's like it's like a it's a not direct it's like it's it's, it, the it's indirect. not getting caught for the the the, the product that's the, the the performance enhancer it's getting caught for the thing that's supposed to hide the performance enhancer right so yeah i mean I guess so. What so uh, Balwa's Trek put out a press release on Twitter. It was all in Dutch, and it was it was like a JPEG. Uh, it wasn't like a tweet, um, and so I didn't think that I could translate it fast enough. So I, you know, I was like, "This looks bad." I completely assumed it was about the contract. I thought that they were parting ways. Tone was going to go to the sauces. No, he was on the sauce. Um, but folks quickly translated the news for me, and I was, I was, I was shocked. Um, I mean, I think we're like you're shocked, and then you're like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. How did you guys feel? I mean, one, you had to wait for the uh, all one word doping agent in your install made my life a lot easier. I'm like, ah, I don't speak Dutch, and even I can figure this out, where they just take the two words and just smack them together. Uh, I, I don't know. It was just like, okay. Uh, you know, I, I guess maybe we've become a nerd to it. Uh, maybe that, you know, we established, I think, on the Katie Compton episode that we're a little bit more cynical <laughs> about it. And, you know, we definitely kind of live by the adage to, to never meet your heroes. And, you know, and part that's important for you know being someone who covers the sport so i found it neither shocking not appalling just kind of like yeah i don't know yeah i you know i i think that i take the hero thing one step farther in that 
these people aren't heroes, <laughs> you know, in, in sports. They're just sporting people. Uh, there are other people you can look up to as, as heroes in the world. I don't know if necessarily doing something athletic uh, falls into that that classification. And this one uh, it struck me as... Interesting, just just the the reaction to it, and again, we'll we'll give the same disclaimer. I think as as Zach already did that we we we've done done for a lot of these people. It's like they can be the nicest people in the world. That's fine. I think we've all talked to Tone. He seems like a a, a nice, pleasant guy, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't. We don't we don't know what he does and when he does it, and we don't know uh, if he meant to do this or didn't mean to do it or whatever. Doesn't matter. You know, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. There. Are, that you take these tests. If you got stuff in your body, you're responsible for that. That's I think always been the line that that at least I've taken on this. I, I will say that the reaction to it was was interesting, and and as you alluded to, Zach, I I, I feel like it was almost like a meh in in the press. You, there there wasn't the outrage that we've seen before, and I just I, I've been thinking all day about what that means, where where we are right now, that we can have. A doping positive one. It's in cyclocross. It's a minor sport. It's not road racing, where we historically have seen a lot more doping positives. And in the past, they've been really big things that have you know just taken over cycling news. Uh, I I feel like this one almost it came out this morning, and like I don't know if we'll hear about it tomorrow. I mean, we'll hear about it when his his B sample comes in. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll put good money on it now that it's also going to be positive. And, and then I don't know, you know, we'll hear about when he, when whatever punishment is, is meted out and that's it. And I, I, I'm curious what you guys think. It's like, this was this, why is this, is, is this something just cultural change? Is this something that, you know, we see stuff going on in the world that a few years ago would have been like, holy crap, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this person did this thing. This is the most outrageous thing since Watergate. And now we're just like, I guess that's, that's, that's a Tuesday. Uh, is it that, is it that, that, that we've just been completely numb to it and we just expect the worst and, and it's like just another news story or is it because it's at least in North America, it's a men's racer that there is nobody really in the racing community that can say this guy cheated and I had an opportunity to beat him. I think that's kind of what we saw with Compton. That's kind of what we saw with Betsima. So at least in the English speaking and North American communities that there was more outrage there. Is it because this is a dude and not a woman and somehow we're holding the women up to a higher standard or making a bigger deal out of it? Is it still some a, a level of sexism that that is is coming out of this? I just I just don't know. But I, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I mean, I haven't been as like into Twitter as I have in the past. But it seemed like that it wasn't the same sort of outrage that that we've seen. My gut reaction. I guess I'll share my gut reaction that I just now maybe amended listening to, to you. Uh, but I think my gut with reaction. I'm you know comparing it to Denise Betsema, and there was outrage. I mean, people still hate her. 
um, for testing positive. And I just kind of wonder if part of that, and I'm kind of looking at the way that American society reacted to PEDs in baseball, where it was something that we believed in. We believed the lie for so long. And I think it reflected on American society, like as, as fans that we believed it, we felt betrayed. And I kind of wonder if there was some of that, because with her, you had that feel good story. It was the come out of nowhere. You're like, this is amazing. As cyclocross fans were, you know, all in supporting Denise Petsima, because this is just such an incredible story. And then, yeah, she tests positive. And it could have been some reflection of like, oh, this reflected on me as a fan that I bought into this. Therefore, I'm going to be outraged. With Tone, you're just kind of like, yeah, dude's dude just he's there i mean he's a nice guy we, we want him to do well but i i don't think there was the level of investment uh but my amendment to that is i think too bill is what you were saying that there were so many american athletes and english-speaking athletes were like hey she took spots away from me you know she took prize money away from me uh for cheating and so i wonder if there was that component of as well so that was just kind of kind of my my gut reaction um in terms of like comparing the two cases, I guess. I think also in this kind of like is we just are here, you know, in the Olympics right now, right? You had the 15 year old Russian skater who was popped in December and, and now they're not going to do the podiums. And if she wins, like I'm not totally up to date with the Olympics, but like if she wins, she's not going to be on the podium and it, you know, this but is it's still allowed an, to compete. That's the big part. Right. Allowed to compete. And this is from the Russian Olympic Federation because the country of Russia has been sort of has been banned to a certain extent. Maybe it just seems so farcical. Right. So then you see you see this and you're like, what like what is even going on? And then it's like, yeah, tone doped. And you're like, yeah, of course he did. It's just like, yeah, I think I think you guys are right about the outrage. Like, I just I just I'm like, yeah. Okay, I guess this makes sense. And it's so interesting today because I was listening to another wide-angle podium show uh, called Nowhere Fast. Um, and and Kevin, you guys were talking about, you know, sort of quote-unquote doping on, and, and was whiffed racing and, and, you know, like, let's just have the Dopers Olympics. And, and, and Kevin making this point that, like, there has to be some, like, you have to be trying to catch those folks who are trying to cheat or or trying to have some sort of rules that can't be a free for all to like to even be able to believe in the sport. And I was like really thinking about that. And then and then the thing with tone comes out and it's just like, I don't even know anymore. I mean, I guess I just I'm at the point where I just kind of assume they're all probably doping it to some point, you know, and we have to just sort of like cautiously watch and sort of like you're watching with that sort of nagging sensation in the back of your mind like is this clean like do i care as long as i stay a little bit farther away from it i don't know it's it's not fun yeah i doping exists in cycling doping exists in cyclocross doping exists in mountain biking it exists in every discipline it's just you know that that i think that is that is the only sure thing that i can tell you I don't know who does what. I don't know who does what on purpose. I don't know who did what by mistake. But I can tell you somebody is absolutely doing something. And so so what do we do with that? And I agree with Kevin. We sit here. We have we we sit here and have these debates about, you know, look, last last week we were having a debate about line choices and if it's okay to like step in front of somebody while they're coming behind you. I mean, these are stuff yet 
you know, so we care about that, right? We care about that part of the competition. Yet if somebody's like, you know, boosting their performance illegally, I, we should care about that too. It's just, it's just, you can't, it's, Unless we get these tests, which we don't know what to think about these tests, and they're not, like, perfect, but it turns out a lot of the times they're correct. I mean, more than not, I think it's a very small percentage of, of, uh, of tests that have been incorrect. The people who get shorter sentences, it's some kind of other um, circumstantial reasoning why it isn't the the ban or they're they're just you know everything's okay but doping's there i mean it's there so i don't know it's like can we do we do we just like abandon the sport no right so i don't i I think that's i think that's part of it i I think that doping has to an extent won because we are having that conversation where it's like I don't know what to do. I can't do anything about this. It seems to be happening. So are you saying, did we win or lose the war on drugs? I think, I I, I think we moved on to other things. Well, and speaking, uh, you know, I I guess speaking to the idea of why aren't we outraged again, I think that even in the way that we talk about it on this podcast, I feel like especially men's European racing is kind of like this other It's the sport that we watch more than the sport that we're kind of actively involved in. Sure, they come here for the World Cups. We do our post-race interviews or whatever. But, you know, we've been kind of removed from it in part, in large part, because North American males just don't compete at the elite level. I think it's been a little bit different having North American women who have been able to compete and succeed. And so it's a little bit more personal. We're more involved in it. And so, you know, I'm sitting here and it's like, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to get outraged? Am I supposed to, are we supposed to just fold up this podcast and quit? It's kind of like, yeah, he got caught and like probably in a certain point he screwed up whatever he was doing. He, he, he screwed up his program, whether it be the microdosing or whatever, like other guys are doing it and they very well may be looking at tone arts and being like, dude, you, you fucked up, dude. Like you yeah. should have done that. Yeah, I don't want to put that on him. I don't know. And we don't know. So I don't want to speculate that any of that even even happened. But I think there also is something to be said. And I, I, I talked about it when we were talking about Katie Compton, that part of it is, as well is in this sport. And I think sort of touched on what you, you were saying, Zach, with the, there are people on the, the women's side who are competing and all of us at one time or another or still do compete in the sport. And that, that changes it. And you 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 want to then assign a morality to the issue. And I think in a lot of other sports, it's just doing the job. And if you get caught, you get caught and you do your time. But it's not, there's no, there's no, there is not as much a moral basis on it that, that we, that we place on that. And, and what I feel like is some of that is starting to disintegrate that, that moral outrage that we've seen in the past, I think that's the thing. It's like, this is wrong to do as opposed to, well, this is just something, the reality of it, you know, don't be naive. The reality of it to succeed is you have to do something. And if you get caught, you get caught. Yeah. And to, you know, for him being the the one who does get caught, I guess I'm not surprised because you look at his career arc, you know, he's, he's entering the prime of his career and he's stuck, you know, like he had, a he's, 
struggling to beat Ailey Ezerbeat, you know, never going to be in that that top echelon. So you're like, oh, why does he need to? He's up there. Well, it's like, well, you tried everything. You've tried the new diet. You've tried the new training program. And none of that is getting you where you're consistently beating Ailey Ezerbeat. So I, for him, for it to be him also doesn't surprise me because it's kind of like, well, what else can I do? I'm going to turn to this other thing because my time's running out and I ain't getting any better. So, you know, I guess maybe there's that for me, that component of why tone arts or, you know, hypothetically, hypothetically might do this. I, I think the, the other, the other interesting thing, Michael, is you look back at like Ben Berden and he's a guy who said, you know, it, it came today. People were saying, you know, it would be nice if once somebody just said, hey, yeah, you caught me. I did this. And again, I don't know what Tone Arts did. But Ben Barron was the one guy who said, yeah, you caught me. I did it. And he got ran out of the country for it. And he, you know, came to the U.S. and, and had to deal, deal with his every day of his racing career. And that's fine. I mean, he, he, he did a bad thing and he got caught. But Years later, he said, the worst thing I ever did was admit that I did this. I should have just stuck to my story. I should have just lied. I should have just done my time, and my life would have been a lot better. So that's, that's the story from somebody who actually, you know, at least in the Belgium cult, you know, cycling community, cop to it instead of just, like, continuing to deny doing your time and coming back. And he's like, that's what I should have done. I'm an idiot. That's what I should have done. I don't know what message that sends. Well, I guess with tone, I mean, we'll, we'll wait for the B sample and we'll, we'll know from there, but I think it's interesting now that the last sort of three doping cases that are fresh in my mind, tone, uh, Compton and Betsima, Betsima is going to be the one who sort of, prove i guess she she proved that there was something wrong there was like that she found the um the tainted supplement and was able to sort of like move on from that and then we'll see you know compton just gave up and you know and then tone is, t- is testing positive for something that you can't say came from a, a supplement right i mean it's a yeah I, I guess they're that, talking about was so, it was it a tennis player who yeah yeah where tennis player her her grandmother's soup it fell on her grandmother's soup yeah and it was she like it was like soup? her grandfather's no her grandmother's medicine or something that fell on the soup and then she consumed it and then they bought that and then she got a like two or three month suspension so we'll see we'll see so question <laughs> what are the lines gonna do I mean, I guess they're sticking with them until the B sample. But I mean, that was a kind of a question, the contract, right? Like, uh, Tormans can't come after Tone. And now it's like, man, Tormans, you want to take this guy off my hands? <laughs> I was thinking about I was thinking about you in this weekend. I mean, I'm just I'm thinking, uh, you know, my first thought was like, ladies and gentlemen, it's this weekend. I'll credit to Bill on that one. But yeah, that was uh, good. for that idea. But uh, I, I mean... Sure, this would create a, a big issue. I mean, we have no idea what is going to end up coming out of it. You know, I mean, I guess we could have anywhere from like a, a two month to a four year or nothing at all. Uh, we don't know. But, you know, hypothetically speaking, like you're saying, like, let's say it's a multiple year thing. The Lions are kind of lacking a go to rider then, <laughs> you know, like what? 
Swex available. <laughs> they got Lars, and I think as Bill has pointed out in the green room, what Haverdeen's is is on a Lions. So, and they've got you know Nice Junior, but uh, yeah, I mean, you need someone in the interim. They got maybe Swex is Pim as well, right? That's right, Pim. I forget about Pim. Um, yeah, so they got Ron here. I mean, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I guess it changes the dynamic of the Salay season a little bit. Um, that we were sort of getting kind of hyped about. Um, but speaking of silly seasons, I feel like this is like we should segue to schedule. Schedule talk? Well, schedule corner. The As Bill says it, take it, you eat the schedule with a grain of salt. Um, I don't know. I love it. So what? So So the UCI puts out a calendar. I don't know. Did you guys get this in your email? Was it in the newsletter from the UCI? No, the, the the president's newsletter has not come out. I mean, we knew this was coming just because they had their meetings last weekend. And the if you want to know when big UCI cyclocross decisions are happening, follow Katarina Nash on Instagram. And then when she starts like running and riding her bike and skiing, whatever she else in Switzerland, then you know, then you know something's up. Meetings are happening and something's going to be announced. So that's that's always the precursor. So just just follow Katarina when you see she's in Switzerland, then keep your ears peeled. Yeah. So CX twenty four put out a calendar, um, and I'm I'm going to focus on the the U.S. dates. But two of the big things were um, there's only two World Cups um, in tracked, the U.S. And yeah, sorry, in the U.S. Uh, track and then Fayetteville. Um, but they also had Fayetteville was on a Sunday, the 16th in October, overlapping with a three-day Jingle Cross event with no World Cup. Yeah, and this why I say the UCI take it with a grain of salt calendar is this has gone back for years. You can go to the old cxers.com site and see me kind of quoting that from almost a, a decade back every year when this first calendar always comes out and for the for the UCI races for the US I don't think it's ever been where the the calendar that is submitted versus the calendar that sort of hashes itself out eventually happens and and it's just a thing where you know having previously been in on this decision making process and these meetings when when uh, DCCX was a UCI race you would be in the meeting, you would you would fill out your inscription forms, give it to USA Cycling. They're in charge. Like you 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 fill it out, you say, "Hey, I want to have a UCI race." It's this, you know, form that you have to fill out. And then you don't send it to the UCI, you give it to USA Cycling. They sort of go through all of them. They figure out dates and all kind of stuff, come up with a calendar. We have these meetings, you know, where you talk to the other promoter. That's the other thing. People are like, well, why didn't they just get together and decide this? <laughs> well, well, they do. There, there, are, there are meetings with the promoters. It used to happen on the Monday after nationals. All the organizers would get together and try to hash this out, and then it moved to Zoom and whatever else. So that happens, and then – the U.S. will send those dates to Switzerland and then somehow they'll get like scrambled around sometimes and then just appear <laughs> wherever. I mean, this happens year after year and then like it doesn't and then people see the schedule and they go nuts over what has been released and 
there are people out there who are always, you know, I think you were saying, Michael, like uh, Adam Meyerson's like, hey, and he'll say, I think this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I, I think Adam knows more than I just, I think, but he's trying to hedge his bets there because he's a guy that is a promoter and has been on these meetings and knows that things may change. So what, what, are, what are the, what are the, what are the machinations happening there, at least, at least from Meyerson that he was talking about? So, and he goes further, Bill. He says, I can confirm okay. um, that, so really rad and NoHo are switching dates. They were really rad. It was that first weekend, the typical uh, Pan Ams weekend in November. So, and Northampton was the next week and they're switching. Um, and then he's saying that Jingle will not be on top of Fayetteville. So does that mean that, you know, Jingle Sunday's race won't happen? Does that mean that Jingle will move to a different date? Not clear on that, but that's... Yeah, so right now look, we have, you know, this is the... Jingle is keeping its three-day UCI weekend. The C1 race is going to be a Friday, and then Saturday, C2, Sunday, C2. You know, it used to be two a C1, a C2, and a World Cup. Now we're having two Cs, too. I mean, that's not unprecedented. We used to have the Sin C3 where we'd have a Friday, right. Saturday, Sunday. So it hasn't been done in a while, but it is kind of interesting, especially how it sets up now where you would have a, a C1 Friday in Iowa, and if you made the team, you would have a World Cup if you wanted to do all the C1s on Sunday in Fayetteville. And at first glance, we were looking at the schedule, and you're looking at Waterloo – the week before World Cup, and then you go to Fayetteville, and you're like, oh, thank goodness. That's a lot better than what we had last year where it was on a Wednesday, and everybody had to, like, just get there and drive, get there on a Wednesday, and then, you know, pack up everything and drive to Iowa. At least now you had a week to do this. But then Jingle, if it stays where it is, is just throwing this huge wrench in that because if you want to, like, compete in that, then you're kind of still – either driving in the middle of the night or flying all over the place. At least they're like in north to south order though, right now. Start and check, go south. I mean, so the broad I, broad picture of the schedule is basically it's the same schedule that we had this year in, in broad brushes. I mean, I, I'm just looking at the dates that are available and like in theory, if Jingle Cross were have to move, like really the only weekend available is the first weekend in December uh, before the week before Nationals. And I'm just putting out there. Love to see Jingle Cross back in the proper Jingle Cross time. I think there's so many people who have not gotten to experience a, you know, Jing- a frosty Jingle Cross. And I-, I think it's a cool experience. I think it's a, it's a neat, it, I don't know. I mean, in terms of participation, it may do just as well as as Jingle Crosses have done in the past, you know, these recent years. I'm not sure, but put it out there. Move it to early December. Let's do the thing. Let's get, you know, frozen Mount Crumpet. The other argument there is, Zach, and we haven't really talked about what happens that if you put it there, what happens the week after. It's a very good warm-up race for nationals, which are going to be... Looking for a Hartford, Hartford. pun. Uh, <laughs> Hartford, Connecticut, to... which the last time we were there, it was a blizzard that we raced in. Not really a blizzard. There was a lot of snow. 
No, oh, it and blizzard. It I mean, it blizzard. I mean, it, it blizzard so much that they brought out the snow equipment to uh, cut the cables to the broadcast feed. And <laughs> so let's not have that. We don't want the snow again. That sounds bad. I'm saying if you have Jingle Cross and there's snow in Iowa, then that's a great warm up race. Yeah. So you could put Jingle on the Halloween weekend because uh, there's no major Taylor. Um, so oh, and it's provisional. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The provisional calendar. Um, or or. You know, we don't know. Jingle could be just Friday and Saturday. Um, and you could, and then Fayetteville could still be on Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm in trying to interpret it, interpret, uh, Adder Meyerson's tweet. Um, I don't know. It also, you know, brings up the question of the USCX Cup, our series we had last year, which was coming back. And how does, how does Jingle play? Jingle is, you know, John Meehan. He's one of the organizers of that series. So obviously Jingle is going to be part of the series. Um, but, you know, what days is it going to be? And if it, if it does move into December, um, that would be interesting to have the series last a little bit longer. Based on that, it seems like maybe your Halloween weekend suggestion would make a little bit more sense. And I mean, that would make more sense from uh, the series standpoint too. putting rochester uh, two weekends together a little bit of a break for the world cups and then the two weekends together uh at the end so that would be a better argument uh for doing it perhaps uh halloween weekend and i don't know i mean like we saw this year we had pan am so we have pan ams are scheduled to be in costa rica those will be the first weekend in november which is going to conflict with northampton and we don't know what's going to happen i mean you know typically we saw this has happened before this happened in both 2018 or 2019. Uh, a lot of riders are just like, Hey, I'm going to go get my points. Like I'm not going to, I'm not competing for the win at Pan Am's. And so you saw like kind of the top riders go there. And, you know, we saw this year where riders were opting to skip Pan Am's down in Texas. Well, it's a little bit further (laughs) that they have to travel and to another country, uh, this time around, uh, to go for that Jersey. And, uh, I, Jersey doesn't look as cool anymore. So I, uh, there's not even like that extra motivation. Like the Jersey's kind of meh. Points are Bank still of there. America. Uh, one other thing I think worth mentioning with this calendar, I believe this is the first New England C1 we've had since possibly KMC. Ooh, and wasn't NBX that one in 2017 or 18? Wasn't it still a C1 the year that we had so many like C1s? It's possible, but it's definitely been a while. So it's really interesting okay. that uh, really rad is yeah. New England has a has a C one again. Wait, oh, so really rad is a C one? Yes. Okay. Well, that, that's good. I mean, we saw like I think that's a good thing because we saw where last year it was just kind of everyone kind of shut it down. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad we don't have like the American stage rage of cyclocross. It just seems like that just was this vortex that sucked all of the interest and basically all of people's schedules into it. So, I mean, maybe we can get something that's a little bit more like manageable and a little bit more sustainable. Uh, So again, I'm Michael, I'm loving your jingle cross Halloween weekend idea. Keep coming back to it, you know, build into Pan Ams or whatever. Um, But yeah, trying to, avoid like the the vortex of october and try to still create some interest uh into november although uh again we have 14 world cups so they're slashing it uh to 14 no one is no one likes this the riders don't like it 
Uh, I don't think anyone except for Flanders Classics likes it, but they're still they're still doing the thing. They're still doing fourteen of them. Uh, kind of restricted from from Belgium. I, I guess we've got one in Spain, and I guess the selling point is while you're in uh, southern Spain, while you're doing your winter uh, training block, just come race a World Cup. I don't know. Is this what we've we've devolved to? Is trying to come up with like creative ways of selling uh, to come to our World Cups? I guess London will be on there eventually. That's right. what that's the rumor that's out there. That'll be pretty exciting. I think the other interesting thing about the World Cup, just looking at it logistically, you know, Hogerheide traditionally the race, the last World Cup, and then you have Worlds the next week, which was you know they they did again this year, which was kind of wild with people racing Hogerheide and then going to Fayetteville. But Hogerheide is Worlds for this next season. And you'll be going to to is it Besançon the the week before? So that's that's a little bit of a a little bit of a change. I, I don't think the travels you know it's definitely not um, Netherlands to Arkansas, <laughs> but it's a uh, it's not it's not um it's not a not a closer drive. It's actually yeah I guess it's not bad because before that it was Hogerheide to Switzerland or Denmark or whatever else. But just kind of interesting that they're uh, going to France that last last World Cup. One thing with the, they were touting, I think that there were only like four Belgian World Cups. Like it's a very small number. It's, so I look at like when we had Kortrijk and Tabor, and just the uh, is this going to continue to hurt these other series? I mean, if you're internationalizing it, you know, for us, we're just like, oh, everything's so close together. But if you're still looking at like eight hour trips or whatever to go to these different events, and you have a, a Belgian race on Saturday and then a World Cup at like Val de Soleil's back on the schedule or whatever, I think it's going to continue to exacerbate these this contention and these issues that are arising and i'm sure it's a much bigger deal in belgium where it's really hard to race in belgium and then go to some other country and race the next day yeah and i think one of the you would have had at least five world cups in a normal year no more is the european championship so that's why that one's not a world cup and then the interesting one is that coke side had decided and i think this this will be really interesting to see who follows in takes Coke side as leads. I mean, one of the monuments of the sport opted out of being a world cup after like 20 years of being a world cup, deciding instead just to be part of the, uh, or the X2O or super prestige X2O. X2O. Yeah. Which is a, is a huge boost for that. I mean, then, you know, that's a great marketing piece for the X2O series. That is, they can almost argue with their races that they have more, you know, monuments than than the world cup at least in in belgium so it's it's kind of yeah there's it seems like that that arms race is happening amongst the series and and there's with this extended world cup series that there there is starting to be some pushback especially since i think you can get more bang for your buck by being an x2o series because it's much cheaper to run those races than it is to to host a world cup but at the same time you know i guess it is expanding the sport because if you are if you're a a race in france if you're a race in america if you're a race in great britain you have zero hope of ever becoming part of the x2o or the super prestige series and so maybe that would be the argument in favor of doing this is it's getting a chance to to grow the sport it's your chance to have you know a marquee race and not just be the the coupe de de france or the uh the 
was the British Trophy Series or whatever, or the Toy Toy Cup or whatever. It's your chance to kind of become to achieve that level instead of just being, and we saw that with America, it was our chance to not just have these, you know, our races that some folks came over for, but usually they're like, Oh, those are just American races. It's like we had world cups and we've had world cups for a long time. So I guess there's conflicting arguments, but I do like the idea of a X2O super prestige arms race. I mean, right. So you're saying X2O has Copenberg and now they have Coke They, they got to get Zolder. I mean, they got to steal that. And then they've got to get Zonhoven to bail on the world cup. Like, I like this idea of like the, uh, the, the, the Belgian series arms race to try to create the best, like a fantasy draft, create the best, uh, align or array of races, uh, that you can. There was rumor slash discussions slash possibilities that went nowhere years ago that Cross Vegas was going to be part of the Super Prestige. I love it. I think I think that would be interesting. I mean, you know, which which <laughs> oh when are we gonna have I want X two O. I want X two O in the States. Is that like when the NFL was gonna have a team in London? Like, oh, this will totally work. This is definitely going to work. Like, we'll just have an NFL team in London. No problem. Well, didn't NFL, they play games in London, right? There Are those exhibition games or those regular season games? It may be a regular season game, but it's like the first game of the year, and then they all, they did that like once or twice, right? And everyone hated it. Everyone yeah. hated it. No one watched look, it. Like, it, look, didn't, if, it didn't work. Well, what, okay, what, was the, what was the Euro League? That might still exist. The European the European NFL or whatever. I like the Birmingham Baron. No, that was baseball, the whatever. Yeah. I figured it out. This is what you do. So you've got Waterloo and Fayetteville in October for the World Cups. Let's do make a jingle an X2O race. So Jingle Cross is X2O and USCX. Or maybe you do something before. I don't know. I'm just saying they're already over. The Euros are over here. We can have a Euro Series race as well. We can have a Belgian Series race in the states. If we can have nationals in Belgium, they can have a Belgian race in the states. Okay. I mean, it just just think of the extra cost of having all those inflatables flown over to the U.S. <laughs> Yeah, flown to the farthest airport. That's as the. Well. I mean, frankly, that is the. That's the fly in the ointment. That's the very strong logical argument against Michael's idea that everyone hates. That I was that I was looking for. Hey, I want to go back to to nationals for a sec. I saw there was a comment uh, on a bulletin post that we did about nationals, and the suggestion was uh, such that hey, we've got a really good venue in Fayetteville. Like we should just host nationals in Fayetteville, and like let's say uh in perpetuity so we used to do nationals for two years uh per place and i guess for whatever reason we wanted to move it around more like should cyclocross nationals like be in the same venue if you prove that you're a good venue should we do an open-ended like up to five-year contract or do you guys like that we that we move it around and deal with kind of some of the the pains of you know having new people host the event every year I like having it in different places. I don't. I, I don't. I don't see any appeal of of going. I could see going back to the two year thing possibly, just because then you dial it in and everybody knows it, and you go back. and I don't mind that as much. And I, I think it that would be much easier on the federation, who seems to have to scramble every year to find. I mean, the other thing is finding hosts that 
want to do it, you know, and that's not, it's, it's not like this. I mean, maybe it is now. It seems like that just from what I understand, there are, are cities who are interested, which is a good thing because for a while there it was kind of like trying to find people who wanted to host nationals. So, but yeah, I wouldn't know. Cause like then, then you're getting into the same thing of if somebody's good at that course, then they, they get the same opportunity every year. And I don't think nationals should be about that. It's, it's the same way that I, I think it's wrong that, uh, mountain bike nationals have been in winter park in Colorado for so many years in a row. And it's at elevation and it takes people like on the East coast or, you know, that don't live that elevation and it puts them at a huge disadvantage to, to compete at nationals. So I think, I think you do need to move it around. Yeah, I think, you know, you got to move it around because, like, not everybody loves each venue, right? A lot of people didn't like Fayetteville. So I think it's important that you spread the hate around. <laughs> Good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, I like that we get to, for me, I think being there and going to each of them, it's cool to see the excitement and kind of get a little bit of the flavor of each of the local scenes. I mean, it's almost like the World Cup of, of America, right? Like, you know, just thinking back, I got my first taste of NECX. Uh, Hartford was my first nationals and it was really awesome. And, you know, there was just so much like New England vibe and participation and it was really neat and snow. Uh, you know, we went to... I think Reno was the next year and like, like, Hey, this is really neat. These are a bunch of people who are scrapping. Like they're not in the hotbed of cyclocross and they're still doing the thing. We got to go to, you know, OVCX at Louisville, one of the strongest scenes in the country. We got to go to, to Lakewood. We got Hodala. We got to experience Hodala, which is just like legendary in American cyclocross. Then we got to see Chicago. So like for me going, I love it. I love going to these different and getting to feel the excitement and the flavor and the local teams and stuff and the pride that people have and stuff. So I don't know. I just, it was an interesting argument, but like my immediate reaction was like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I like that argument. I think it's really neat. Uh, and for me going to and covering these events for, it's one of the cooler things is to get to go experience cyclocross. I mean, I, I, I'd rather ha have Fayetteville just be, it seems like Fayetteville wants to just aim high for everything. I'd rather just have them be a C1, C2 weekend every year. I think it'd be awesome. It's middle of the, you know, it's a little more central. I think it's a, an opportunity for people to, you know, we'd want to get away from this East Coast bias and, you know, and have a race in a different part of the country. So have a C1, C2 every year. You don't, you don't have to have a World Cup or Worlds or Nationals all the time. Or I guess they were going to have Pan Ams too, you know, just... Just have a race weekend. Yeah, and there's so much energy. I mean, literally everyone in the bike industry is moving to... <laughs> I was explaining, trying to explain this to my friend uh, that I watched the Super Bowl with. He grew up there and I was trying... He, I was like... <laughs> he left in 2000. I was like... I was talking to a guy on the bus and he was like, dude, I've been here since 95 and it's changed so much. And Nathan's like, yeah, it's changed so much. I'm like, you don't understand though. Literally the entire cycling industry is moving to Fayetteville. Like people can't buy houses in Fayetteville quickly enough. Like... Cause that's just where all the energy is. So I would love to see that energy around an event, kind of like we had with cross Vegas around Interbike. Uh, that if we can recreate that, we were there. If we can get people to come out and sell it and have like just good energy at an event, would love to see it, you know, to make it an annual part of, of American cross and to say, Hey, 
you know, welcome to the community. And we love, we love the, the energy that you guys, you know, that we certainly saw at the world championships. Should we end up the hour by talking about some racing? Yeah. I, I have a hover, a few thoughts. <laughs> so actually this is a thought that came up to me. Uh, what happens? So let's say tone B sample comes back positive. Uh, they strike the results since January 19th. That seems to be um, what they do. How does that work in the X2O when it's a time-based series? Um, he he won, or he yeah, he won the X2O. I mean, it's a five-minute gap, but let's see. There was one, two, three races after his test date. And you lose, you know, the most you can lose per race is five minutes. So would that change that? I don't know. Curious, Marie. Have you read the rule book for the X2O series? I have not. No, I did not do that work. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Bulletin readers. I, I mean, I, I would assume that he, he would be, <laughs> he wouldn't be eligible. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's like... I mean, if it's three races, it's going to be 15 minutes, right? Right, right. So, if it, Yeah, so if it's three races and you lose them, then yeah, you're out. Okay, so I guess that kind of takes care of solves itself. that. Right. Um, all right, well. So wait, so Saturday we had Havre. Um, and the big thing I remember from Havre, fan or ban. I loved Lucinda. There was drone footage of Lucinda... I was on GCN. It was uh, FPV drone style. And Lucinda went on Twitter and, and asked folks how they felt. And she used the hashtag fan or ban. And I don't know why, but that just that, that tickled me. That tickled me. It made me, I thought it was hilarious. I love that, you know, it's like trash or pernash. It's hot or not. Uh, you know, it's fan or ban. So I, want, I think we should use that. Um, so I'm a fan of Lucinda getting on social media and inventing hashtags. I'm also a fan of the drone. Um, I understand, like, they say the UCI banned it, which is sort of a word. And it's a weird phrase. It feels like you just say, they say, hey, uh, no, you, you can't do that. Is that necessarily banning drones? I mean, obviously, we see drones coverage all the time. The difference here is that it's sort of like, we don't see drone coverage all the time. We don't see coverage all the time. It's it's the UCI does not allow drone coverage. The only time that we saw drone coverage on TV, at least this year, was the US CX races, and that was kind of uh, do it and apologize later. Oh, okay. Well, then I was wrong. So they did ban it. There have been there have been drones in the I think two seasons ago, 2019, they had a few drones up there. That's where I remember like the drone at Hogerheide was tethered. And I think that's the way that they got around. So it wasn't like an actual free flying drone. It actually had a leash on it. It was oh. it was I think it was just the cables, the hard cables, and I don't know if that was just to get around the UCI rule or what, but yeah, so that it it is it is not allowed in the rules okay okay some thoughts about this thought number one this is really witty i'm really proud of what i came up with here so many many years ago watched this like you know inside the nfl like mic'd up uh and there was like a coach he's like you know what the nfl stands for the no fun league 
I was like, I was racking my brain. UCI, the uncool institution. <laughs> there you go. Thought two. I actually don't like Lucinda Brand's hashtag. I like free the drone, which is the one I came up with. I think it's, I like my hashtag a lot more than hers. I mean, I, I know that yeah, it's kind of sacrilege. I know like I don't have the, I don't have the following, but like I want to free the drone, free the drone, uh, you know. And the the third thought is this was cool as shit. Like I mean, this was amazing uh, to get this. I was impressed. I you know was watching the race and I didn't pay attention to the time clock. They deployed it in the second lap. That's how quickly that race was over. <laughs> is they had it behind Lucinda Brand in lap two. They're like, we're just going to dive in and do it. Um, but it was really neat to see the battle between Betsima and Worst when they deployed it behind them, kind of seeing where they were struggling, how they were pedaling, where they were putting down power, how they were struggling, you know, sometimes to pedal through some of the corners because they were rutted. I thought from uh, Bill to go back to, you know, geeking out on cyclocross, it was really neat to, to kind of see that and see kind of of yeah there was at one point like worst was going up a hill and the riding line was on the left and she totally just kind of veered right across i mean it wasn't like blatant or anything it was the only line to ride but it was just it was neat to see uh that and i hope that the uncool institution finds a way to allow this at literally every race because it was cool as hell well and it's also that it's like this is a professional sport with professional athletes you know other disciplines you have Road racing. I know there's it's it, it's raised a lot of controversy, but you have road racing with a peloton of motorcycles and cars who are sharing the road with the racers, and there have been a lot of incidents. Yet they still allow this to happen, and it it still goes on. And you get these motorbikes that are honking at the riders who are racing to get out of the way because they have to get to the front, and that's just and everybody just accepts that 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 is how road racing is. And if you look at it, it's insanity that that goes on during a road race. But it's like we've accepted it that that's fine. We're looking at this little drone that if it hits you, it's you're going to feel it a little bit. But, in, you know, most likely it won't do anything. I'm not saying that that's, you know, even that's like worst case scenario. <laughs> a FPV drone pilots are insanely talented at this point. B, they were only going behind them, and it was only when there was a gap, so it wasn't like anybody was coming up on this drone. And even if you just had the the higher-up drone, it gives such a different perspective. That's so great to see, and that's what we saw in, in those USCX races. That's what we saw in Tacoma. Uh, it, it, for that, Nationals, it's such a great view. It gives you such a a new perspective of what's going on in the race, similar to the helicopters that they have at road races, which they allow those to be flying over the riders all the time as well. So I, I, I think that it is something that needs needs to be addressed. You can put safety guidelines in there. You can put rules and whatever, but it is such a great way to bring fans into it. Do you all remember during the downhill when they had the FPV drone following the the downhill racers. Oh, go look for that footage on Red Bull. It's so freaking cool. I mean, that's that's like the pinnacle of it. And I think that that's, I don't know if it was the same team or whatever, but this looked really similar to what they were doing in those uh, downhill races. And I mean, I would say that we need to explore, like literally every other sport in the world is exploring how to incorporate new and different first-person views. I mean, I'd go a step further. You know, you did it for 
they should find a way to to get GoPros. I mean, the new GoPros are pretty good. Put GoPros on on riders' bikes, and you can flip to you know flip to Lucinda brand cam, and we can just like bringing that different way. I think that it's cool that there's you know Belgian cyclocross, and we love how they cover it. We've grown so used to it that we want to emulate it. That they're willing to kind of start to think of these new ideas and i would love to see more ways of doing that because again literally every sport in the world does it like car racing you get inside you know inside the the car or whatever you know football they've got cameras on officials and players you've got cameras in the you know on the first base and on the basket so and for the gopro idea you don't even need gopro i mean cameras are so small at this point you could have just helmet cams that aren't like the old ones that sit on top of there but they're actually like inside the helmets and then you don't have to worry about changing bikes or anything like that and that'd be just an amazing first person view i mean they got they got you know the, the technology still needs to be improved but they got glasses with you know you not the google glass but they actually have like i think oakley now yeah. makes you know glasses with cameras so yeah it put all that on there let's Oh, let's mic the pits, right? You get the mic on the football games and mic the sideline. Mic the pits. Let's hear what the athletes are saying to the their coaches. Let's hear what the mechanic is saying back to the athletes. I'd love to hear that. Um, I guess now I want to know. I want to know like whose decision it was to fly the drone then, and sort of what that conversation was like, like between the race promoter, I assume, and the pilot. I'm sure the race promoter brought in the pilot and was like, "We're just going to do this." And it's going to be sick, and we're going to get the, we're going to get the slap on the wrist. But next year, it's going to be in the rule book. We're, I mean, like, we're going to be allowed. You want heroes, not the athletes. These are the heroes. <laughs> These are my heroes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Okay. So uh, Havra, um, that ends the Super Prestige. Ellie Ezerbeat wins uh, the men's. The women's is won by. You know, Lucinda. <laughs> I do want to say there was an interesting, there was a few. I sped watched this race because I woke up on Saturday and rode my bike for the first time with my club and forever. Um, but I, uh, I, I was looking at the stats before on Friday night and it was pretty much uh, Ellie had the overall wrapped up, but Tone was behind by four points, um, which is, means he had to finish four or five positions ahead of Ellie. So it's 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 kind of hard. It, it seemed like Ellie was going to win. But at some point in the middle of the race, Lars attacks, uh, Ellie is chasing, chasing, and he crashes. And then Tone's like, oh, shit, let me get with Lars, and we're going to, like, let's let's drop Ellie and get a gap. But um, Lars just went too hard, and he destroyed Tone. <laughs> it was a good race for, like, the first four laps. Um. Yeah, that's all I got in men's race. So on the the women's race, I think one of the things that we've been kind of tracking is the sheer absurdity of the number of times that uh, Denise Betsema has finished second or third in the last two seasons. And so after her race, uh, I decided to to do what I love to do, go to the numbers. Uh, so after her race on Saturday, she finished third. Um, she now has 20 20 second and thirds 
this season, uh, eight seconds and 12, 12 thirds. Um, but I went back and I, you know, again, this is limited to the Cyclocross 24 database. So we're looking uh, basically this millennium. Went back and tried to, to find some notable also ran podium also ran seasons so guys what would be your guess for the rider with the most second and thirds in a season in the past i guess 22 years men or women this is open to men or women kevin powell's that is an excellent guess he topped out at 17 uh in 2015 and 16 sven ness also a good guess. So Sven only ever had 16. He did it twice in both 2009-2010 and 2010-2011. Uh, Do I get a third guess? All right. So like, don't, uh, I, I mean, just, you don't need to necessarily uh, overthink this. Uh, I mean, one could just kind of like assess the aura that's in the air uh, really right now. Be- Oh, you know what? I forgot to check him. I wonder how many he had, but it's probably not as many. He's the one guy I forgot to check. Lucinda Brand. No, it's Tone Arts. Tone oh, Arts. Tone Arts. 25 <laughs> times in 2018 and 2000. Yeah, so my first thought was, sense. my first thought was Wout, right? Right. Like, so Wout, that same year, Wout had 22 that year. Uh, Wout had 18 seconds. 18 seconds. Tone Arts finished third 16 times. Uh, so the other one with 22, Niels Albert, he did it 22 times in 2012-13. Uh, but the, from the, what I could find, Betsema is your top woman. Uh, Amory Worst comes in second with 17 uh, in 2019-20. So, and tied with actually uh, Nikki Brammeyer, who also did it in 2013-2014. This is my fun little stats corner, but now i got to look up to see. Let's see how many Ailey had. What if he beats? I don't think you can beat Tone Arts in 2018-19. No, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, there was like, yeah, you weren't. First was always, you knew who was getting first. Like, Vanderpool wasn't yeah. giving that up. So there was so but you knew who was getting second, too. Yeah, wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ailey topped out at 13 in 2019-2020. 10 seconds. Uh, so yeah, so Tone Arts is the uh, third place king, and and Wout takes it for the uh, the second place king. Is hmm. is next season going to be the season of uh, Anne Marie Worst? I mean, she's just she's you know is does I guess we're going to do our are we doing our awards next week? Yeah, I think next we should. Week. Okay. Yeah. So so all right. You're tipping, early, you're tipping early the hand on one early of, contender yeah. in the comeback of the year. Oh, well, right. we had another yeah. one too. I think we I mean she's going to be a contender too. I think we decided we're going to we're going to hand out the third best elite woman award. Uh so I will throw it out there. You know, last year we had some fun with it. We brainstorm ideas. If you have ideas, uh you can hit us up at was it CX Hairs? What's our feedback? <laughs> well, I I mean they can send it to the bulletin, can't they? Or Oh yeah, yeah. CX Hairs Bulletin at gmail.com. You can add us on Twitter. Uh, throw those ideas out, and if we like them enough, we'll incorporate them into the uh, season-ending awards. Yeah, so we're looking for your 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 ideas for for awards is what we're looking for. Award categories. Award yeah, categories. post them in the Slack as well too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we go for, you know, we'll, we take serious, we take fun. I mean, I think last year we did our favorite inflatables, so we can't really do that one this year. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think it was fun. I think we had a good mix of like 
both serious awards as well as uh, some fun stuff that kind of just reflects our the general the general vibe of the uh, the media pit podcast for the year all right, so we move on to uh, the University of Brussels and the X2O. Michael, this course, trash or panache? Oh, man, it's that's a good question. I Okay, so in, in trash or panache, you're either, you're either trash or panache. There's no in-between. So I'm giving it panache. Um because I like the off camber. I think the off camber is really tricky. And we saw a lot of like that would you had to have skill to ride it well. Um, so that's my vote. Yep. I, and also I like this sort of like there's that. I think it's when they're going into the amphitheater from top. You go down. Like it's like a tight. It's like, I don't know, it's like a tight turn on pavement. It's like you go down and turn left. I think that's a really tricky section. Um, I also I also you know what. I'm come. I'm full. I'm full panache now. There's the the section where there's a giant light pole in the middle of the course, and that's just like what Zolder in the trees. Like, come on, that's just that's taking those elements and bringing them into the city. I'm into it. I mean, I love how how janky this course is. I mean, it's just like every and you know what? The first year you were like, all right, this is janky. They'll improve on it, but they've just kind of like left it like full. Like it just a lot of these features don't have the refinement maybe that you expect to see from a European uh, a European cross course. And I think it's just remained. Let's talk about the faux the faux wheel the faux pinwheel. We're, <laughs> we're like, but but it was such it was like because I was like I saw one rider you know thought maybe what if I jam it hard and I can sprint ahead and maybe cut off a spot but it was kind of on a side hill where there was still just one line I mean it was like you could have taped it ten feet wide you could have taped it forty feet wide like they did and there was still just one line uh, but it was like. I mean, does that feature have a name? Because they did a pinwheel one year. They were like, well, maybe we heard everyone back in America making fun of us and, you know, uh, trashing. But we'll just, we'll do a faux wheel. They won't know that we're doing a pinwheel. We'll sneak it's it a, in there. It's a it's a postmodern interpretation of a pinwheel, Zach. They're at a university. Come on. I love it. No, that's totally what I was thinking. I That that totally captures the vibe right there. It's like this postmodern uh, uh, pinwheel. So, Bill, have you been to this race? Has this been part of a race that you've covered? I have. I, I was there the, I believe it was the year of the uh, uh, crashed line uh, backwards pit um, maneuver. And, Iconic. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and at least they got rid of those pits where it, it you used to have like a course crossing through the pits which was amazing um where you would have to wait because the mechanics would be running back and forth in front of you and then you would like scoop between them uh and it was just really really bad and it was like this huge construction site so uh, yeah it, you know it's also you get some good brutalist um uh, architecture on on it as well. You get some good, you know, the, on the starting, on the starting stretch. There's uh, so some really good tags on there. Some nice graffiti on the walls as they go by. So it's definitely got that good urban feel to it. I do like the off camber. Off camber is awesome. I was there the year of the pinwheel as well. That was kind of a kind of a joke. And I I, I think the 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 stepped amphitheater, which we haven't mentioned yet, the the iconic feature of this race. Yeah, Michael's giving it the thumbs down. I agree. It's something that looks good on paper. It looks good on a map, but it's just like, 
I don't know. It doesn't look fun to ride. It doesn't look like anybody's enjoying. There's no rhythm to it. There's just no it's rhythm. Just, it's just a mess. And they're running it so half but, the time. But, just... but I, I can't I can't trash it because this course has a lot of different things going on, you know, and it, it's got some technical stuff. Yeah, that descent into the road is like the scariest thing you've seen. I mean, it's much steeper than you think. I've seen a lot of people wipe out on that thing. It's it's the normal, you know, oh, well, it's a curb and it's descent. Well, we'll just throw some sandbags down there and everything will be fine. It'll be fine. And, you know, uh, so... Yeah, I it's it's a cra- it's a it's a crazy one. Yeah, I mean, and I guess it didn't have the fans, so we didn't have the student protests. So maybe that maybe they'll just stick with the no fans as they you know continue to do it in the future. Because I know the first year there were protests because they were like, ah, we have a race and there's going to be all these drunk Belgies on our campus, and we're not very happy about this. The the one thing I will I, the, my <laughs> one thing I, I, one memory I have of this track is that it was like a locals only press room like it was in this 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 office in this building and no signage nothing like you had to be in the know or know somebody to figure out where where the media room was because i was walking around this campus (laughs) searching for it and finally uh I, I ran into, and the reason I want to bring this up is I ran into Ballant Hamvis, who was nice enough to uh, show me the the secret way and and you know do the secret knock, and then we were able to get into the media room. But I won't have that advantage in the future because Ballant's done. He's retired. He's he's out of the game. He uh, and and the the best podium presentation from this race happened after the riders were done. When uh, Ballant, who's at Cycle Photos on on Instagram, if you don't know who he is, UCI photographer, he got himself his very own duck, and it was was very happy to see that. Well deserved. Congratulations on your duck. I thought you were going to mention the hat toss, so give us a little insight <laughs> into the uh, the traditional. We finally saw a traditional, uh, you know, mortarboard toss. Yeah. So it, it, the I guess. Uh, uh, Denise Betsmo won the women's race. Michael Van Tornout uh, taking it for the for the sauces on on the men's side. And and since it's Brussels University, uh, Michael did the did the uh, the research for us. You know, there's a fox up on stage. That's the mascot for for the university. But then since they're at college, they all get mortar boards. Uh, and in in the past, in the past, the ducks had mortar boards as well on them. I don't think they had the the Brussels specific ducks this year, uh, but but they would all be wearing their their mortar boards, and then you know, and they didn't they didn't put the tassel on the other side. That was their first mistake. And then what I wanted, and I was saying, I just want somebody to throw up their 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 mortarboard at the end like they're like they're graduating and and nobody did and then and then i see like afterwards looking at lucinda brand's instagram she did it and i had tweeted out that i wanted somebody to do it and then i just i showed that photo and said thank you lucinda thank you for coming through for us and she was like yeah now you can and her her reply to me was well, now you know that most most of the people racing didn't finish school, which I thought was such was the thing that 
all of us were thinking that this was just ironic that they're all getting these uh, mortarboards because probably none of them or a lot of them didn't go to college or graduate. And uh, Lucinda actually said it. So I thought that was great. I think we did actually say this in previous I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, we I think with the, the graduate, I think I had the the irony part of it. I, I was trying, so I was trying to riff on that with the throwing it in the air. That was this year's take, right? No, no, no. But I think we've pointed out that it was funny because oh, like with Vanderpool and <laughs> Vanderpool putting on the hat, you're just like, all right, yeah. Well, and, maybe they well, get okay. honorary degrees. Ooh. Brussels <laughs> University should give out honorary degrees. Whoever wins, you get an honorary degree. Um, in agriculture, kinesiology, um, chemistry. Ooh, I, I mean, like agriculture. I mean, the field riding aspect of it. Field riding, know? exactly. Probably kinesiology, yeah. though. <laughs> um, game theory, chemistry, huh? <laughs> game theory, game theory. Um, I don't know if you major in that. <laughs> so, what do we got this uh, coming up this weekend? Is this it? Uh, We've got one more weekend, guys. This is Christmas Christmas Cross. Is it Saint we... Nicholas and then the uh, Usmala? Usmala? Yeah, yeah. Atheist Cross, Saint Nicholas, and then Slut Spring. Just yeah, the traditional close of the sea. I'm just gonna assume it means for like the last hurrah. Does it stand? Maybe maybe it means last dance. That's that's what I'm just going to assume that the translation is because it's always the last race of the year. It's the last dance. One for the one one for the underdogs to come through. Like let's see who's even on the start list for these. All the series are done. Yeah, we know Lars is done because he's getting knee surgery. Uh, Tone is done because uh, he got popped. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of the Dutch women are done. All the, all the U23s are done. I mean, I can imagine. Oh, last thing before we go, the breaking news. Wanted to mention this. Looking forward to it. Actually kind of excited about this. Ailey Ezerbeet going on the record that he wants to compete in Paris in 2024 in the mountain bike. So we may be seeing some Ailey action on the Mountain Bike World Cup tour this summer, and that is exciting. Does, does really make mountain bikes? They do now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone does. All right. Are we doing our awards next week? Next, next week, week awards. awards? Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll be back then for for the awards presentation and until then hang in there kid the slow ride podcast three idiots who are usually wrong the slow ride podcast the titanium of podcast the slow ride podcast it's like if david vanderpool had a podcast the slow ride podcast the zwift racing of podcasts the slow ride podcast find the real advice the slow ride podcast the arrow helmet of podcasts the slow ride podcast sport leader coming through the slow ride podcast when's lance gonna sue us the slow ride podcast the experts in french cycling the slow ride podcast official fan experience zone on facebook the slow ride podcast the gravel bike of podcasts the slow ride podcast both vertically and horizontally compliant the slow ride podcast new episodes every tuesday